What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here for Monday Rundown, and we're going to start with college basketball again. But, Will, you're back on the pod. It's You're kind of a main thing now, and uh, I think we have an announcement to make. Tom, you want to, as the CEO, make uh, break the news to everybody? Sure. Uh, you know, I feel like kind of an asshole, an egomaniac. I didn't, I didn't have to make this announcement, Sean, but apparently I'm... I'm the boss, so Will is Will is a full time member of Sorry to Interrupt now. Congratulations, it's it's a long time coming. Um, you know I, I've looked up to Will my whole life. He's just he's an idol of mine, so I'm excited to have him on board. I, I appreciate it, boys. I'm happy to be here talking sports with you guys, shooting the shit, sports and other uh, stuff. Happy to be on board. Yep, happy to be on board. It's great. I'm really I'm really pumped about it, Tom. I wanted you to break the news because you were the one that kind of you know, had this idea, hatched this idea. So I wanted to give you the credit, but Will, this is awesome, man. We're really excited to have you on board. And boys, I'm a leader. You know, obviously jumping into college basketball, but you know, we got you I, covered with so much else too, that it just makes sense at this time. I appreciate it guys. I really yeah. do. I guess, you know, you have a couple good hot takes and boom, you get a job. You know what I mean? Well, honestly, if you want to know the truth, just lay behind the curtain. I just, after you c- cried about the Cowboys, I just said, Imagine we could have him on crying about the Cowboys every week. And Sean said, we got to have him on more often. And that's pretty much how it was. So, I mean, I mean, if you're, you're ready for the next five years, if the same thing, I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great listening to you week six. Just talk, talk so much shit and then just be so upset come the first week of the playoffs. I'm really looking forward to it. But, hey, I can't really talk shit right now, and neither can Sean, because neither of our teams even made it close to that. Um but again, we're not talking football today. We're talking college basketball, which is one of Will's fortes as well as Sean's. Um, and, and I'm just going to let you guys take it away. I'm I'm more here to be. I'm more here to get educated by the experts. Well, I got to tell you what. Anybody, I know we we did the pod yesterday morning, and it was beautiful job by the way. Games, but I got to I got to tell you, anybody, please listen to this podcast. Listen to Will talk college hoops because if you're betting along with him and listening to his guesses, he's making you a lot of money. You How did like you do yesterday, wizard. aside from the Duke? Um, I was five for six yesterday. I mean, dude, as I was also going through, I was like, yep, Will called this, Will called this, Will called this. So. I took Kentucky, took UConn, took Wake Forest. Can we say, can we say it was that beginners, just because you're a beginner at this pod, you're not a beginning gambler, but... Was that luck, or you know what? I think we're going to go with skill. I'm going to go with a little of both. I like that. I think you're a little bit of both kind of guy for everything, and that's what you said about yep. Slick Rick a little earlier today. But that is yep. a hell of a start. Unfortunately, it's going to be really tough to keep that pace up. Damn near impossible. Oh, it's not going to keep up because <laughs> I'll, I'll go 0 for 6 next week. And that's okay. There, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, we're here for all the good and all the bad. Uh, now that we have two gamblers on the pod, maybe we'll do. Maybe you and I'll jump on. We'll do a bad beats pod. Um, Ooh, I like that. That'd be a lot of fun. Sean can just laugh at uh, all the money that he has never lost gambling. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get him on the train eventually. We'll get him on I the think. Train. I think we will. I don't know. I. I mean. I, I think gambling is gambling legal there, Sean. Yeah, I can't. I can't gamble here. <laughs> there's. A... Yeah, you just have to get yourself a bookie. I know a guy. No, you yeah, know a guy I in Texas. 
No, I know a guy that just does everything on an app. Oh, that's Doesn't true. Yeah, we can it. we can get you on we can get you on some offshore stuff. That's pretty easy. I yeah, think we well, all got I don't a guy. Doubt, I don't doubt any of that. But well, we we uh, gotta love Texas though. Will you could buy you could buy a fucking AK forty seven at a Seven Eleven, but you can't place a simple bet. Yeah, you legit go to a gas station, you get a gun and a bottle of Jack Daniels, but you can't <laughs> place a fifty dollar wager. Not on Sundays though. That's the Lord's Day. They don't sell liquor on Sundays. Yeah, but they still Ooh. sell the guns. That absolutely is true. God, God is a big fan of the Second Amendment. Um, okay, let's get into the games. We'll start actually in Texas, where Houston played Baylor in a fucking awesome game. Um, Will, I know you and I were texting during some of this game. Uh, Are you guys texting about me behind my back? Shit out of Baylor. Um, we we do sometimes, to be honest. Do you guys talk shit behind my back? I mean, there wasn't too much shit talk on the first pod. I thought you guys were going to absolutely flame me. I was like, I don't have any control. I'm sweating. I, I don't know what Sean's saying about me, but I'm just going to let it go. You guys were pretty tame. I thought you guys... No, you guys... We, uh, we only said one thing about how, how much your sports life sucks. I mean, the Knicks are decent, but, you know, the Jets have been terrible, and St. John's is relevant-ish for the first time in, what, two decades? Well, thanks for reminding me, but why don't we jump back into the Houston game? I'm just so excited. Uh, Before that, yes, we, we were just strictly getting down to business yesterday on the games. And and I got to tell you, man, like Houston, they come out of the gate firing. Their defense is tenacious. They're leading by, what was it, well, 14 at the half? 16 yeah, they were the up half. 14. I think they, the it got to 20 at one point. And we both texted each other like, Houston is a legit wagon. Oh, my God. The way that they were playing, I mean, they were like a shot out of a cannon, dude. And I'm thinking there's when they're playing like this, because as you said on the pod, when they are by far the best defensive team in the country. But I didn't expect Baylor to get punked like that. And then it was kind of a story, you know, different story in each half. Baylor comes out, plays really well, but Houston holds them off in overtime. What were your biggest takeaways from this game? My, my biggest takeaways is it was a – it might a little expose Houston a little bit. It was a tale of two halves. Houston hit everything in the first half. We're stopping everything defensively in the first half. And then the second half, it was totally the opposite. Baylor was hitting all their shots. Not that Houston was playing terrible defense, but Baylor started hitting all their shots, and then Houston's offense went completely cold. LJ Cryer couldn't hit a shot. Uh, I think Shed was one for 11 at one point in the second half. So when those two guys aren't scoring, you're, you're having trouble putting the ball in the basket. So, therefore, that's why Baylor came back. And, like, what, what you said, R.J. Dennis is unbelievable. He is unbelievable dishing, scoring. He was doing everything for Baylor. He was, and that and that Walter kid was, was really something else, especially in crunch time, hitting some big-time threes, playing some really good defense. Um, I think a McDonald's All-American five-star recruit. So, that was the first time I really watched him go on a bit of a run. In Any the, NBA in the talent in this game? I'm going to ask it for every single one. Yes, uh, L.J. Cryer, probably. Um, I don't know if R.J. Dennis is really an NBA talent. Um, I mean, they have Baylor has a lot of athletic big men that you know might be able to uh, contribute to the NBA, but not like a top five pick, in my opinion. Shawnee boy. Yeah, I mean, obviously Cryer. I mean, he stands out the most. He's a guy who you could think could orchestrate the offense and be a lead guard somewhere down the line, um, especially with the way he shoots. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Houston, Houston just has an ability to get guys that fit their program. And it's not a mistake that they've been one of the best programs in the country for the last, what, like six, seven years. 
Yeah, for sure. And, that, you know, that's the other thing that I say that uh, Big 12 teams will flourish in the tournament because they're playing – certain teams are playing four ranked games in a row, which is mm-hmm. unheard of. So, yeah, but it was a great game to watch. You know, once I went to overtime, I kind of said to myself, I'm like, Houston's kind of going to win this game. I kind of had the same thoughts. I thought Baylor, you know, I think they kind of emptied the tank there and they needed that last free throw and, and they didn't get it. And once once Houston, they just seemed like they had the fresher legs and kind of the more of the fortitude to, to get that win there. Yeah, for sure. And also for Baylor, it's like, oh, Baylor fans are probably like, oh, we lost two in a row. But you lost to probably the number one team in the nation come Monday and then another ranked team the week before that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the Big 12 for you. We talked about it yesterday. It's a fucking gauntlet. Um UConn, who is ranked number one now, but will probably lose, will probably be dethroned tomorrow. They do get back on track, Will. You were 100% right. 78-54 against uh, Villanova, who's Easy just dumb. really not all that good. I told you they were going to win by 15, too. Can I get a little credit for the phone call I made? You were right. You were <laughs> Thank right. you. I think, that, I think that game was close for about seven minutes, I would say. Maybe nine minutes. And then it was all UConn. Yeah. Expected. Yeah, I mean, like you, you texted me too. Was it uh, Klingon did nothing, and you won by almost twenty points. Klingon and Caravan didn't do shit. It was yeah. all it was all Newton with the triple double, and Cam Spencer had like twenty four. Yeah, but you just had two of your. You know, I mean, obviously, there's four guys that you you could call your best player on that team, but two of your best players did nothing, and you still won by almost twenty. That's the depth of this team, man. That's why they're one of the top teams in the country. Um, I, they're going to have a long layoff, layoff here before they play Seton Hall. They have Seton Hall at home, and then they finish off the season at Marquette and at Providence. Do you boys see one more trip up in that in that stretch of games? I do. It's either going to be at Marquette or at Providence. I think you take care of Seton, uh, Seton Hall at home. I think it's going to be a closer game than what people expect. Seton Hall is a decent – the fact that Seton Hall is not ranked kind of blows my mind. Maybe they will be come Monday. But, you know, they're number three in the Big East with Creighton, you know, getting the big upset today at the garden, but what do you think, Tom? I mean, I I think when you're talking about ranking with Seton Hall, I think you go either way. I think they're kind of the, I wouldn't say the middle of the pack, but I mean, for me, it's just like, I do think they should be ranked and I'm there with Will. It kind of goes back to the big 12 thing where it's just like, okay, fine. Like, you know, you don't have as good of a record as a, as some other Big Ten team or whatever, but, like, the competition level is just so different. It's so much better yeah, in the we, Big East. We, Yeah, me and Sean talked about that yesterday, how soft the Big Ten is. Like, it's crazy. You have two ranked teams in the Big Ten. Everybody else is an average team. That's so best. you're going to tell me that Wisconsin deserves being ranked 23rd when Seton Hall has to play Marquette. They have to play Creighton. They have to play UConn twice a year. I mean, come on. Agreed. I agree. Seton Hall has some good wins, including – killing UConn in the first game mm-hmm. of Big East play. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they should be ranked. That's, that, that's one of those scary teams in the tournament. If they get hot, they're like, where'd the Seton Hall team come from? Yep. Oh, no. I totally agree. They're, they're a talented team. They're a tough team. And, and Holloway has done a phenomenal job there. He's really, he's taken that team to another level. St. Peter's legend. That's right. Um, Will, your Kansas Jayhawks, they took care of Texas. Uh, what do you? What were your big takeaways from your team in this game? I was uh, I was really impressed because we were also missing the Big 12 scoring leader in Kevin McCuller that game. So I, I was a little worried, not that we were going to lose, but it would be a close game. But if you looked at the box score, it was like 18, 15, 13, 14, 12 for all the starters. 
it was just uh, Kansas was making all their shots. They, they almost shot 60% in that game. And uh, when when that's going and when Hunter Dickinson is deep in that post, nobody's stopping him. I don't care if it's Zach Eady or anybody else. That guy can score left-handed, right-handed. Uh, and, you know, we took care of business like I said we were going to. But, uh, you know, we have a hard stretch as well. We were at Baylor. We're at Houston uh, to end the season as well. Yeah, that's fucking tough. Um, Tom, your boy, Flip <laughs> Rick today, rocking the all-white suit. Oh my I God. know you had your thoughts on it. I got I'm a big thought you on that. the bus here, dude. What? I mean, they got an amazing win. Let's not bury the lead. But of course. there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, yeah, we we blew out the 15th ranked team in the country by, what was it? Uh, 20, no, wait, I'm sorry. Is my math you wrong You beat it by 14. 14. 14, I'm sorry. I was going to say 24. Bad math. My bad. Um, yeah, it's like Rick with the white suit. We can just lead with that. Um, I said this to you guys as well as Phillips. I, I don't like it for the simple fact that this isn't the year to pull out that kind of a, kind of a move. You pull that move out when you're like third in the Big East and you're trying to make a run towards, towards March heavy. Um, cause now I, we have to win out. I didn't like the white suit, but I'll tell you what, I, I think that speech definitely motivated the boys. Uh, I mean, Trey went off completely at 31. That's, in, that's insane. Um, great defensively. They honestly, this, I, I had to, it was interesting to see the two games after the press conference and they could have gone either way. They could have completely quit. On, on him and, and honestly they went the other way they they i don't know what that speech did but it seems to have motivated them tremendously the the thing that i took away from this game is not how well st john's played but the fact that they had three turnovers the whole game where yeah i know is where is that where has that been unbelievable and just hitting threes hitting shots playing great defense it, it, it looked like Creighton didn't even deserve to be there. Yeah, it's it was. I wouldn't. You wouldn't even call it Jekyll and Hyde because St. John's has never played that way this year. To say it was, I, I, I it was like you, it's I just a different you, uh, team. Early to, yeah, I texted you earlier today. I was like, I haven't seen St. John's play this well, and I don't know how long. Oh yeah, it, it's it was crazy because it's like it's the same team. Where has this been all year? I just don't understand it. I think you need to wear that white suit throughout the Big East tournament. I mean, we, but to. that's the thing. Well, I'm scared. I don't want it to lose its luster. I mean, we played this. Is, I know it was at MSG, but this is a meaning, not a meaningless, but it's a regular season game. We're pulling out the white suit. I know it was a whiteout, but that's a big-time move. Well, I think, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's symbolic for the fact that he, is, he started to really, I think, when he aired out his team, like you guys said, it could have gone one of two ways. It could have just absolutely crashed and burned or you get this these players playing at another level I, I think he was playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers and he's like you know what we have the number 15 ranked team coming in here nobody's giving us a chance and i'm just gonna pull this off and you even heard i think it was jenkins said like when we saw him wearing that we knew we couldn't lose and and let's remember too you didn't just beat creighton who's ranked 15th in the country you just beat Creighton, who just beat UConn by nineteen five four nights ago. Like you kicked the, I mean, you kicked the shit out of a team mm-hmm. that just embarrassed the number one team in the country. So that's a huge win. Uh, maybe yeah, not for standings, maybe not for even making the tournament. Uh, you know, because so much of the season's been played. But I don't know. That's a game that you could look back on next year when you when you're 
maybe in that position of being third in the Big East and going talking about an NCAA tournament run, and you look back to this game and say, "Yep, that was that was when everything changed." I know, Here, but so like, it's just I'm concerned because it's like if you pull out the white suit, like what's the uh, what's the next move, Sean? Like, does he wear a fucking transparent clear suit? Like, this is your boy. I don't know what the next move is, but I know for one day in February, he it got was special. I, I, it was great, but you know, it's just it's like was that the only you know is that the only trick you have? Like I'm worried about it a little bit, and it's like I know he's making three point three a year, so it's not going to get dirty this suit. Like he could definitely get it dry cleaned all he wants, but. You know, it's one of those things where it's like I, I feel like you got to save that. You got to pocket that move for next year. It's I'm gonna look back at this when they lose next week or they lose in the first round of the Big East tournament and say that suit was for naught. So this this was my two uh, thoughts of this game, and I want to hear your guys' uh, opinion on the second thought. The first, I don't know if you saw it, Tom, but it was such a slick Rick moment. So the camera pan, panned to him with like 13 seconds left, and he was like hugging like a 25-year-old. And I'm like, yep, slick Rick's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> slick Rick is at it again. I'm sure you guys so, have heard that court deposition of when he had yep. uh, sexual intercourse with that woman in the restaurant. Yep, I heard that. Also, my, my other opinion, which was more on the basketball note. So you have three games left in the Big East. They're not against the best teams. Obviously, Butler is... Uh, a decent team in the Big East, but then I think you play Georgetown. You play, yeah, but you play Georgetown, you play DePaul. So say you go to the Big East tournament and you beat the combination of two of three of Marquette and Creighton or UConn, and then you lose in the finals to one of those three by three points. Is that enough to get in the tournament? I don't Phillips, Phillips, I spoke to him today. He thinks that all they need to do is win out and win a first round game. I said they need to at least make it to the final fi- to the semifinals to even have a chance of being on the bubble. I think to have I, a solidified. I, that, like, that I was thinking about today after I watched the game. If, if they went out, you know, they play Butler, which is a tough game, but DePaul and Georgetown, and you know, you should win those games. If you beat Marquette, UConn, or even Seton Hall or Creighton in a round game. And then you lose the next game to a ranked team by like three. I think that should be enough to get like at least a play-in game. Mm. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I think if they make it to the Big East finals, I think they're a, they're a shoe in. I mean, for... if you, if you really think about it. You beat three ranked teams in the span of what seventeen days. Mm-hmm. No, well, I agree. The, it was real bad before that, though. <laughs> yes, that's sure. the benefit of being in a conference like the Big East is. You're going to get a chance to get a lot of well, it's a double-edged wins sword. in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's like, you know, we talk about the, me and Sean talk about it all the time about the Big East and the Big 12 being the two best conferences in college basketball. Like, you look at a team like TCU who's on the bubble, but if they beat a Kansas and a Baylor team, they're in. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's like I say, it's a double-edged sword. You, you, you play a tougher schedule, but at the same time, you play a tougher schedule, so you have way more opportunities. Um, I mean, for me, like I said, I think St. John's to even get a, to get a, have a chance to be on the bubble has to make it to the semifinals and perform really well in that game. Like they need to win out and then make it to the semifinals. Um, I'm still holding out hope, but again, I I don't want to keep talking about this white suit thing. It's making me upset. No, I get it, but uh, it will just to to put a bow on it. Like white suit or not, that was an excellent Epic statement win. win against a really good team coming off their best win of the year. And we're a week removed from that press conference, and it looks like a totally different team. It so definitely looks like a totally different credit. team. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, listen, we'll see uh, how we'll see how they perform against uh, Georgetown. I think they have next. Uh, they have Butler next. Butler, I'm sorry, and then George. I mean, we'll see how they come it's out Butler, against Georgetown, Butler. DePaul, or Butler, DePaul, Georgetown. One of the, the three. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, come come a Wednesday, we'll see. They're they're on the road. I mean, they only have one home game left against Georgetown. We'll see if they can get a win at Butler on the road. I'll 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 be talking a different. I'll be singing a different tune. No, about no, my optimism too. level. I think that's fair. Um, moving on down the line of games here, we got to talk about one that will just, I mean, you called this. You couldn't have called it more perfectly. Wake Forest upsets Duke, although not really an upset because they were favored, right? Yeah, they were favored by two and a half points. Yeah. First yeah. question, did you bet this game? Yes, I did. Good Wake Forest minus two and a half. Um, but also, as uh, Tom would say, and uh, I didn't say it on the pod with me and you, Sean, but that was literally my sperm bank pick of the week. <laughs> I love nice. that. But if you don't call it, you don't call it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't call it. I didn't call it. I didn't want to take it. You know, I didn't know if it was. No, I, I, I would have laughed at that. And, Had you done that, yeah. I would have laughed at it. You have permission okay. to use that. All right, I appreciate that. Don't tell anybody but else it, about that it, was, That was one of the most fun games to watch of the day, in my opinion. Wake Forest, I haven't seen them play that well all year. And I've seen them play some shit games against Boston College and Georgia Tech and, you know, teams like that. And then you played number nine Duke. That 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 arena was rocking. Um, it just, you know, came down to it. And they took away Filipowski, who's Duke's one of Duke's best players. Duke couldn't hit a three. It was all contested. They took all contested shots. It was There was no open shots for Duke all game for 40 minutes. It was just a, a impressive game for Wake Forest. I was most impressed with the fact that you know, this is a this is a school that's had a, a really tough time, you know, battling in the ACC and in a down year of the ACC where Duke's not at their best and North Carolina's very, very good, but they're not great. You still see how much these schools get up for the Dukes and the North Carolinas and how much a victory against them still matters, regardless of how far Wake Forest goes this year or not. It, it doesn't matter. This is their season, and... You know, they really played like it. It was super impressive. I never really thought Duke was going to win this game. Even when they went on some runs, uh, I never thought that they were going to win this game. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. And the funny thing, I don't know if you saw the stat or not, Sean, the last time that Wake Forest was in the Elite Eight, Chris Paul was a freshman. Yeah, what was that, like 2004 or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Can you, you guys name yeah. Can you guys name yeah, last four time they players? made it farther than that was with Tim Duncan. Ah, damn it. I was going to ask you guys to name four players that went to Wake Forest, but those were my two ready to start. Chris Paul, Tim Duncan. Jeff Teague. and Jeff Teague, yep. Um, I don't know anybody. Who's the guy that – who's the guy – oh, John Collins. Didn't Trent. Collins go to uh, – Didn't Collins Trent go to Watford. I can name Trendon Watford. Is he playing the league? Yeah, right? Yeah, he's on the Nets. So that's the only reason I know. Yeah. Yes, Collins <laughs> went. So I got my four. Okay, that was yeah, impressive. Tom. I, mean, I like that. Thank you. They haven't they haven't produced a lot of NBA. Talent. Oh, will you can ask good, me? But... We could do a whole podcast. You can you can name any player in the NBA, and I will tell you what college they went to. That's like me in the NFL. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. We could do a three hour pod on me trying to quiz you and trying to stump you, um, where like Hilton Armstrong went to college. Where do you go to college, Sean? Oh, I think I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> he was a four year player in Connecticut. Um. Next game, obviously, one of the biggest statements of the day, if not the biggest. 
was what Kentucky did to Alabama. Again, oh Willie said, no, I'm not surprised if this game's played in the hundreds. Well, I didn't see 117 coming my way. I didn't Kentucky see 117 either. 117 on Alabama. It, it's it's crazy to say that a team put up 97 points and you still beat them by 20 plus. It killed them. <laughs> yeah, but also that's what I said on the pod earlier. I said, I don't know about the, the outcome of this game, but take the over right now. You're a genius, yeah, you, bro. You, you, you nailed that. That's what I'm saying. I was like, I'm just, I'm going through these results as the games are playing out. It's so awesome play. that you had such a great prediction performance on your first, like, non-guest appearance on the pod, but I just hope you know it's all fucking downhill from here. Oh, definitely downhill. I'm going to jump <laughs> yeah. in a freezing cold pond when I football picks. Celebrate the shit out of this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Enjoy the good ones, because there will be some bad ones. Yeah, but okay. no, Ask Sean about Kirk so, Cousins, brother. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's rough. And I, I also I, I also uh, mentioned that LeBron was not going to be one of the best players of all time if he lost to Portland, and then he went on to win four in a row and a title that year. So we all have. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had some rough ones. Uh, but getting back to Kentucky, this is a game. Will you and I talked yesterday about the collection of talent that Kentucky has, and I asked mm-hmm. you, maybe not from a pure basketball standpoint yet, but is there a team in the country that's more talented than Kentucky? And when you see a game like this you easily could talk yourself into them playing in a national championship game this year. Oh, for sure. And that's, you know, not not that performance, obviously, because that's that's once a year kind of performance. But if they perform 75 to 80 percent of that, they're going to be in it with anybody in the country. But my point being is that you just saw them do it. It's not going to be consistent, but the question I have is how many teams in the country could do that are, are capable of doing that. I I really don't think there's another team in the country that could do that. Um, with the talent they have, how many teams in the country could put up a hundred points period. I mean, they had, I think they had like 93 points with like eight minutes left. It was crazy. You know, the only thing that's going to hold Kentucky back. We all know what it is. What is that? It's Mr. Mr. Animation on the sidelines, jumping up and down. I say it every That's year. True. That's true. I mean, And you've been right about it. How the they fuck do you expect your team to be under control when the head coach isn't even under control? It's the same thing with Pearl. Yeah, I mean, he's been, this, he's been that way since, I mean, from what I can remember, he was that way at Memphis, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why the only time he's got a national title is when he legitimately had possibly the most talented college team of all time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then the team that was the only team that was probably better than that was the undefeated team, and they lost to a much more composed Wisconsin team uh, in the Final Four. Yep. But yeah, the other thing too is these guys just don't have the experience. They don't have the tough losses in a tournament that you can turn around and say, you know, what a fire under their ass, and they got better. And you see it all the time with the guys that go into the NBA draft. Like, I mean, you think about like. We should do a pod where we just talk about players in the league, great players in the league that were like 17 minute a game players at Kentucky, like Devin Booker, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray. It's like fucking, I, I remember even Emmanuel quickly. Like, I don't even remember him at Kentucky. Carl Anthony like, Towns. Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. Like, it's, it's nuts. Carl Anthony Towns yeah, never I mean, shot a three at Kentucky. Like, yeah, it, I mean, you know. It's crazy. That, that's the thing I I brought up yesterday, Sean. And if they run into like one of those seasoned vet, veteran teams that have like three juniors, two seniors from the Big Ten, they yeah. can lose that game for sure, for sure. Because it's it's the same thing with Duke. They they are not. Uh, if you're building a culture and teams around one and done, 
most of those players have not have not faced adversity yet. So they're not gonna they're not gonna be composed. And Tom, like you said, they're usually a reflection of their head coach, who's losing his shit up and down the sideline the entire game, especially when it gets to nut crunching time. Oh, I mean, here's, you... a, here's a, I I do have a hot take, boys. Uh oh, take. Here we go. Hot take alert. If this um, was a corny pod. I'd play the siren right now. Oh, I like that though. Um, so this is my question to both of you guys. If and this is going on. Because, one, I don't like Calipari. That's the first thing. My second thought is, if Calipari is coaching St. John's right now, are they ranked? I mean, I think he'd have, I I don't know, same situation? Same situation. You got the same recruits that Rick Pitino got. You think? Oh, same recruits that Patino got. No, absolutely not. I don't think St. John's even wins the game today. That's the thing. Like, you know, I look at Calipari and. Obviously, you're going to regard him as one of the best in the game, which is fine. But when you get three of the top ten recruits every year for the last decade, how can you be bad at coaching basketball? Well, oh that's, yeah, well that's what he's be- that's what he's been. That's but that's why... the thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse for him because he's getting the best talent every year. But like we said, they're all freshmen. They were at prom less than a year ago, year. and you know, yeah. it's between that and his his. I don't want to. I don't want to say he's a bad coach, but his lack of ability to be a good, good coach on the sidelines or a great one, it it hinders him come tournament time. So, like, this is the other thought, and you know, this game was you know anomaly, but like, I don't think Calipari really compared to like Hurley and Self. He doesn't make adjustments Izzo, or anything, of course. He, no, yeah, even Izzo, who was having a down year for Michigan State. I don't think he really cares about winning. I think he just cares about getting every guy into the NBA. Well, that that yeah, is, I think you're not the only person to say that either. Yeah, I, I think that's actually kind of a known fact. Is yeah. he gets this collection of talent? He every doesn't give year. a shit about cutting down the nets. He wants to be in the green room at the NBA draft. Yeah, and he will be. And then out of the top ten, out of the, all the lottery picks, he's going to have about five or six of them. And that's that's the thing about him that I think pisses a lot of people off who are really college basketball old heads. Like, or even like diehard Kentucky fans that want to see a national championship. For sure. And they have a chance every year because of the talent that they have on the roster. But you know, again, these kids are 18, 19 years old. They haven't played in tournaments. They don't know what it's like to go up against a hypothetical team. Like you said, Will, with starting three juniors and two seniors, but at the end of the day, he gets all these kids paid. And they you see what they do at the NBA level. I think he really – his job number one is get them in his program, develop them, and send them the best prepared possible to the NBA. Because the scouts see it. The scouts see these players and say, I don't care if he averaged seven points in 18 minutes. Look at the players he was playing with. We'll just draft them because – He's going to be amazing on our team, and they almost always are. There's, I can't really think of many, really any Kentucky bus. Can you off the top of your head, Tom? Nerlens Noel. Nerlens, eh, I mean, he had a good yeah. stint in the NBA. I don't think I would consider him a bus, nor would I even consider Trey Lyles, who's still playing in the NBA. So, no, I really can't. Yeah, they have careers. Well, yeah, that's the, that's that's why I love my coach, because he wants to win championships. How many Kansas players have been busts in the NBA? A good amount. There was a stretch for a while there where, like, I feel like everybody that came out of Kansas was not a great NBA player, and you're kind of confused because when you watched them at Kansas, they were game wreckers. Yeah, like Thomas Robinson. Like Perry Ellis. Yeah, he was. Perry Ellis played overseas. He didn't I know, I'm only NBA. kidding. He was on the team for oh. – he, he started at Kansas with a full head of hair. 
Yeah, that was in 1983. Exactly. <laughs> he looks like yeah, a player I mean, from like, 1983. You, you look at like you know the two people that I would say from Kansas that have been unbelievable. Obviously, Will Chamberlain, and the other one is Paul Pierce. But besides that, the most consistent player from Kansas is Nick Collison, who was a bench player. Yeah, and the Morris brothers have had good. Yeah, the Morris brothers have had. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins has some championships with, but he's a you know. Not the main guy. It's not what he Wiggins was supposed to be. Wiggins had one amazing playoff run and really finals run, and then the rest of the oh, time. Oh, well, also Joel Embiid. Play. I forgot the MVP. Yeah, Embiid, Embiid's a good one. Um, and that's the thing is you're when you hit on Kansas players, for the most part, they've been great, but there's not a yeah, lot of Yeah, but they also had a lot of busts in the Exactly. You know. Mario Chalmers yeah. got some rings. Yeah, Mario Chalmers got some rings, but then you have guys like uh, Zave Henry who went with like the eighth pick. Yep. You know, the you know, Lakers, I remember that. First round this year. Obviously, Grady Dick's a good role player, but, you know. I think he's know. been in the G League mostly this year. Yeah. I mean, he was a, a first round pick. So, you know, you had a, the, that's like the thing where it doesn't relay to the NBA. Christian much, Brown had a nice. Yep. Had, it's a different yeah, game, a nice man. Yeah, like Yudoka Asabuki dominated at center in college basketball. He's not even on a team right now. Well, the Raptors yeah. traded for Abaji. I think they like him. Yeah. I mean, Abaji's that guy that is good. I think he'll be a good role player in the NBA. He's a 6'8 guy that can, is a slasher but can also shoot. Oh, agreed. 100%. Yeah, the captain of your team, you know, Jalen Wilson was a second-round pick of the Nets who's getting some minutes right now, but he's, I think, best-case scenario, he's, he's somebody who might be the end-of-the-bench type guy. Yeah, for sure. You know, Bill Self uh, doesn't coach him to be studs. He coaches him to win championships in college. Yeah, no, and he's he's done it twice. I mean, uh, some would say Bill Self. Some would say Bill Self is selfish. Yep, he only cares about himself. And Calipari is just—he's a, a very giving guy. He's willing to sacrifice personal success for the success of his guys. I guess so. I mean, but as a college basketball fan, if I'm a diehard Kentucky fan, like I'm not happy. Well, you think percent. that you would have you would have thought they'd win more than once just with some of these teams. It's so interesting because you know you think that the most important thing for a college coach would be to be a winner, but then Cal has his legacy. But it's like really, like I mean, you made it to what two or three Final Fours? You won one. It's like okay, cool. I mean, yeah, and also you go to a national championship game with Memphis. Granted, you had Derrick Rose and Chris Douglas Roberts who played in the NBA as well, but former Nell. That's right. But, you know, I mean, it's just... Uh, you know, Marcus it's opinion, Camby you know. at UMass. Oh, yeah. That was his first big one. Yeah. So, so we're done talking about Cal? Who he's, that's just kind of always who he's been. And, yeah, to answer your hypothetical, Will, if he's getting the exact same recruits that Patino got, yeah, they're probably even worse because I think Patino is a, a head and shoulders above a better in-game coach than... I agree, areas. 100%. Yeah, like yeah. Tom said, and it makes no adjustments. No, he never has. He relies on his town and just no, jumps up and down on the sidelines. Legit, I watch Kentucky sometimes, and it's like watching a men's league team play. Well, that's yeah, that that's true. <laughs> but with that, nah, Kentucky teams, is like Kentucky is the Alabama. Kentucky is the um, the intramural team where it's like all the Div One football guys come in that are just sick athletes. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's playing like, uh, as Tom would know, you wouldn't know this one, Sean, but Tom would know this is like playing C- uh, Lincoln Hall on a Friday night. That's a dub. That's an easy dub. <laughs> <laughs> That's a 30-point uh, dub. 
Uh, Purdue, they hold off Michigan 84-76 today. I didn't watch a second of this game, but I didn't think Michigan ever had a chance to win this game. But then again, I didn't think Ohio State was going to beat them last week either. But just another mediocre opponent in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it's just that game was close for the first half, and then Purdue pulled away. But Michigan has eight wins on the season. You know, it's just uh, one of them is St. John's. What the hell has happened there, dude? They had they got no recruits. Nobody wanted to go to play basketball at Michigan. They had nobody. I don't. I don't even think they had a top one hundred player go there. I mean, is that? I mean, because Juwan Howard is there for the Michigan legacy, the Fab Five. I mean. He's running into the same issues that Mullen and uh, and Ewing had. I know yeah. he had success that year one, but I mean, they're, if they're not getting recruits, he's not the world's greatest coach. That's for damn sure. I don't know why he's there, but then again, it's really hard to fire a legend. I think they're yeah. probably hoping he resigns. I think this experiment you know, Michigan, of Michigan's just a football school now. I think this experiment of hiring former players that have little to no coaching, recruiting, front office. I mean, yeah, sure, Mullen were, had a title at the at the Golden State Warriors before he was the head coach, and Ewing coached a bunch of teams on the bench. But, like, they were never they were never college coaches. They were never anything. And it's like, I mean, these guys don't give a fuck who you are. Whoever you're recruiting to Michigan, St. John's, whatever, cool. You were, you were an All-American. You were in the – whatever. These kids don't fucking care. It's like – these legendary coaches have figured out a way to convince them to come because of the money and the NBA and then all the recent players that they've churned out, like Kentucky, where you've got an all-star every single year. And then you look at these other guys and they're like, I don't know who fucking Chris Mullen is, but all I know is that they haven't gotten a five-star recruit there since 1992. Tom, that's a good point. and, and 100% good point. Yeah, it's such a great point. And I think another thing to add to it is we're further and further removed from these guys being anything. Most of the, almost all of the players now, you know, their, their dads were young when they were, when these guys were dominating on the college level. Like what was, what was uh, Howard's last year at Michigan? 93, 94. Yeah. Like that's a really fucking long time ago. Yeah. That's 29 years ago. I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's a perfect point. And this is what I was going to bring up too. And it's so funny because you talk about these 17-year-old kids. They don't know who Chris Mullen is. But I can guarantee you if LeBron James coached at Nevada, they would have the top five recruits go to that school every year. Well, of course. There's much more of a connective tissue there. Yeah, for I mean, sure. None of these guys ever – I mean, you would have to pull up, like, mixtapes on YouTube of Chris Mullen at St. At St. John's the only and be like, they, yeah. you should have seen him in 85. I'm like – Motherfucker, that's forty years ago. The only the the only time that one of these coaches has gotten someone that's a decent recruit is because their father played at St. John's or their father played at Georgetown. Honestly, the only guy who's doing a halfway decent job of getting recruits that's a former player is Penny. I don't know. Yes, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he the difference between Penny today too as well. the The difference between Penny and the other guys is he was big in the AAU scene. So all these players, not to, obviously Penny was a legend and whatnot and a great NBA player before he got hurt, but also he's got a shit ton of relevance because he put the time in in the AAU circuit and all these players know who he is. These other guys, like I said, they didn't – like, okay, fine, Ewing coached on the bench with the Magic and and Mullen had um, – Mullen had a front office title, but it's like they're not down in the nitty gritty talking to these kids when they're 14 years old like Penny was. Like they come in here and think and that they're going to live had, off a legacy that's stale, old, and nobody knows. 
Uh, granted, he couldn't play, but Penny still had the number one recruit come to Memphis. That's what I'm saying. Wiseman. Yeah, I mean he's shit, but I think, I think at the, the time, only former player, if he went back to his alma mater, would be to to coach would get recruits as Shaq. If Shaq coached LSU. Yeah, but that that goes back to your LeBron thing, where it's like those dudes are like those guys aren't coaching college basketball. Like they're a different level yeah, of famous, sure. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he he's too big of a name to to ever. Shaq owns a Papa job John's, like man. And you're also tarnishing your legacy. Like this is another thing I would I would warn these guys about taking a job at your alma mater where you're a legend is you're going to be vilified very soon if you don't win. I mean, yeah. you know, we'll Patrick, Patrick Ewing will always be a legend at Georgetown. But let's not pretend that his reputation isn't a little stale after how terrible he, that he's team probably was. one of the worst coaches in Georgetown history. A hundred percent true. I mean, I think John Shire is obviously well. We we mentioned it yesterday. He's done a great job recruiting. He got Cooper Flag to choose there, even though Cooper Flag literally said that was his dream school. But is Shashetsky pulling some strings behind? That's the what scene? we were talking about yesterday. Is, is it there, really? Is, Shire, like, Tom, what are your yeah. what are your thoughts on? Let's just go into the Duke situation because John Shire, yeah, he wasn't a legend at Duke, but he did win a national championship on the 2010 team. He had a good career there. Didn't do much in the NBA, but stayed with the program. He was hand selected by Shashetsky as his heir apparent. Do you think that he's doing most of this recruiting on his own, or is Shashetsky still doing some stuff behind the scenes to get these guys? And also, last part of that question, is Duke still just so great of a program name that kids are going to go there anyway? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think Duke has created that quote-unquote brotherhood. Um, there's a lot of recent NBA players that went there. They're kind of a, a more of a, a high-end Kentucky, if you will. Um, people kind of turn their nose up. Um, when they look at you, if they're from Duke. Um, so they have all those aspects working. But of course, to answer the main question, of course, Coach K is work. There is no coach in the world. I don't care. You can say your boy Bill Self. You can say whoever you want. There is no coach in the world more synonymous with the program. Duke is Coach K. Coach K is Duke. Duke was nothing before Coach K came there. Um, and they are what they are now. So of course, Coach K is working behind the scenes. He will be working behind the scenes there until he dies. I mean, that's the same thing. I look at it as Kansas as well with Bill Sell. Say, you know, 10 years from now that Nick Collison is coaching Kansas. Bill Self is still having an office in Kansas, and he's still getting recruits. Yeah, and I think Roy Williams is kind of doing the same at North Carolina with Hubert yep. Davis. Yep, you know? I, I agree. So Yeah, no doubt. There's no ways doubt. that you can keep that there. But again, those are all programs that have been having really good levels of success in the very recent past, you know, we're not going back to the mid eighties or early nineties, like in Michigan's case to be like, Oh yeah. You know, listen, the fab five, like shit, that documentary came out in like 2011. So these kids were like two, like, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. you know, so I think for the most part, you're, you're looking at a college basketball landscape where what do players what are incoming recruits prioritize the most? Yes, they want to be coached by somebody who's going to get them to the NBA and have them ready to be successful in the NBA. But while they're in college, I think they care about, Tom, use the word brotherhood at Duke. I think that's something that Duke prides themselves on a lot. I, I know UConn, they just retired Rip Hamilton's number last night at Gamble. And, and you know, you, see, did you, you cry? hear the kids talk about it with reverence. So what's that? I said, did you cry? I didn't actually watch that part, um, so no. True but, fan, huh? And well. I was way too young to remember the rip years. I was like seven or eight. Um, Mid-range But yeah, like, but you hear you hear about the way that these these institutions bring in the great players from the past and have relationships with them. And I think 
to the modern athlete. I think they just want to go somewhere where they have a chance to win. They're going to be prepared for the NBA and, you know, they're going to be coached. They're going to be coached really hard during that time there. And who's giving them that bread, that NIL money? Well, that that is less now because I think every every all of these schools are doing that. Yeah. Well, of course. I don't think these blue bloods are having much of an issue with the NIL situation. No. A um, couple other games from um, from this weekend. Washington State had their moment in the sun against Arizona, pulling the upset, but then they lose to Arizona State, seventy three sixty one. Uh, that's a good win for Bobby Hurley. Uh, what were your thoughts on that game, Will? Yeah, that was such a letdown because I picked Washington State to win the Pac-12 Conference of Champions, and they beat Arizona, and then they just had a letdown against a subpar Arizona State team. Um, just turnover after turnover, uh, chucking up bad shots. It was not a good game for Washington State. Um, but I still think they'll be in the mix come Pac-12. It's gonna be Ari- I think it's going to be Arizona against them in the finals and see how they do in the tournament because when they play their best, they're they're a very scary team. They kind of remind me of Seton Hall when Seton Hall plays really well. So, I mean, we'll see. But it, it was not a good game. It was one of those games where they just strolled into it. They were like, we're playing a 13-win Arizona State team, and they're like, oh, we're going to win this game, and that did not happen. Yeah, it, it's kind of one of those deals where you know Arizona State's not good, but they still have some good players on that team. And if you let down – and you just completely let your guard down after a big time win. It, you're still playing, you know, Power Five conference. We can laugh at it all we want, but Division One basketball, you're going to have to show up if you want to be a consistently good team. Yep. Oh, for sure. I mean, the only game that I also, I don't know if you, you had it in your notes or not, but uh, one game that I want to talk about, and we talk about, uh, you know, the Mountain West being a powerhouse, which they are. UNLV beat Colorado State, who is right. Oh, I had that in here. Okay, um, I look at the uh, the uh, Mountain West. There's five teams that can win that conference. Five, which is crazy to say. It's not the Big Twelve. It's not the ACC. It's not the Big East. It's the Mountain West. But five teams can win that tournament and be scary in March. How many teams do you think get into the tournament? That's gonna be from that my conference? Six. Oh shit! Wow. So you have uh, I have to look at it, but you have San Diego State. You have Nevada, you have Colorado State, you have Utah State, and then you have UNLV, which is probably on the cusp, so maybe five. But UNLV just beat Colorado State. But I think any of those five teams can win the Mountain West. Uh, It's pretty – it's not being talked about that much, but there's a shit ton of parity in that conference. That's probably the third best conference. That's because Will's a sicko when he's up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching those West Coast games. Well, when you you gamble on Boise State, you gamble on Boise State. Yeah, well, (laughs) when are you going to learn? You can't bet those late games because then you have to sweat them out. Yeah, well, you know, just bet against Fresno State every week. You win. Another tip from Lily Boy. They got dismantled by uh, San Diego State the other day. Yeah, that's like, uh, you know, um, Tom, I don't know how much you bet college basketball, but me and my buddy Chad, degenerate college basketball gamblers, you know, you have a bad day, you bet on Hawaii at 11.59 p.m. Got to chase, baby. I listen. I know all about the chase. You got to chase it. You wake up in the morning and be like, what the fuck, Hawaii? Sean's going to know about that, too, real soon. Mm Mm-hmm. That's we'll, definitely right. get Sean, we'll definitely get Sean on the train. Oh, listen, huh. with, all, with all the gambling talk that I'm around with you guys, I'm, by osmosis, I'm, I'm going to become one of you sickos. 
Um, last one that I had here, Kansas State, they take down number 25-ranked BYU, 84-74. That's a bad loss for BYU, who, Will, you were saying, you know, they've been playing some really good ball of late. I, I can't think that, especially I think they were home. That's a tough mm-hmm. loss. That, that's definitely a tough loss. And Kansas State is not the Kansas – obviously, they beat Kansas as well. But that's a little different because that's a rivalry game, you know, Kansas against Kansas State. But Kansas State's not the Kansas State team of old. I don't think they make the tournament this year. Uh, probably the one season in the NIT. Good for them. Losers. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know – that, I feel the game. hatred through through Will's voice. Didn't you feel that, Tom? Yeah, I didn't know that Kansas State hurt you that bad. I mean, usually they're a little brother. Yeah, I mean they have been a little brother forever, but uh, they beat us this year, so I can't really can't really talk that much. But you know, that's that's a loss for BYU that they're going to regret when seeding comes out for the tournament when they have to play like a number twelve or number eleven uh, San Francisco team who is very good out of the uh, WCC. Yeah, those 11-6, 12-5 matchups, you, you don't want to be the favor in those games because you almost feel like you're an underdog right off the bat. No one's picking you. Every time I think of Kansas State, aside from last year when they had that crazy run in the tournament with that really short guy, what was his name? Oh, I forgot his oh, was name. Was that Noel? Or Might Noel? Have been. Noel, something like that, yeah. The, the I, point guard I always just like think five, of uh, one of my favorite coaches of all time who I don't think gets enough enough credit and that's Frank Martin a guy that is kind of a father figure to me where I feel like he might he might be one of those guys where you might just be walking through the grocery store and he might just turn around and scream at you at any second you know you always got to be on edge with that uh, guy also a South Carolina Gamecock legend yeah Yeah, took him to the final four and he's he's coaching at UMass now rebuilding that program so this is is he really yeah yeah no he's I'm a big fan of him big fan yeah Kansas State was always one of those programs that you never thought we're is, is a, in the conversation as a top team in the country, yeah, but, they could but get you, you also were never, ever surprised, especially when they played at home, when they beat a, a higher-ranked team. Yeah, they play in the octagon, as they like to call it, at Kansas State. Yeah, fuck them. Yep. And that's another thing. Like We're talking about you know uh, Martin at UMass. It still blows my mind that Jamie Dixon is still coaching TCU. Well, that's his alma mater too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, but like, you know, you think Pitt every time you hear the name James Dixon. Oh yeah, I felt like he was at Pitt for twenty years. Wasn't he the bag man? He was the the ball guy. Yeah, but he was, he was dropping the ball boy at Pitt. Yeah, but he he wasn't he the bag dropper oh, though. I thought you meant that. No, yes. no, no. He he wasn't he the one like trying to give players money. All yes, the time? he was. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I call him the all time bag dropper. Oh, he was also the ball boy there too when he was a kid. Oh, did he play there? Oh, no, he played at uh, TCU, No, he played right? at TCU. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, listen, I mean, it, it, sometimes sometimes these programs, you know, they're, TCU's focused on football anyways. Yeah, I mean, which they're not that good at now mm-hmm. that I'm a, a big Kansas football fan. We know that. We know that. You finally planted a flag, so you're less of a fraud. Yep, less of a fraud. Sean? All right, gentlemen. Anything else? Welcome to the pod, Willie boy. I appreciate you guys. I'm Welcome on board, you. Will. We're pumped. I, I'm pumped too. I can't wait to talk football too, and you know March Madness coming up. You know, get a little MLB preview. Can't wait, man. We're yeah. gonna talk a lot of shit. Well, you know, yeah. you know, Gary Sanchez probably playing for you know Hudson Valley Renegades or some shit. Hey, uh, you can go see him then, right up the street. Minor minor league deal with the Brewers. He's still kicking around. Oh, look at him. Good for him. Well, he won't be for the Renegades then, because I think they're a Tampa Bay affiliate. Yes, they are. 
<laughs> Sorry, boys. All right. All right, everybody. All right, everybody, and we are back. Shout out to Will Smith, the newest member of the Sorry Sports Squad. Sean, do you think that's the biggest mistake of his life? Uh, let's see. <laughs> you know him much better than I do, so you would probably be the better person to answer that question. Um, I don't know if it's number one. Might be up there. But <laughs> is it top five? Mm, probably. We'll have to see how it plays out. Both strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. All right. Um, let's go into some PGA. We had the Mexican Open at Vedanta, um, and we had a Jake Knapp victory, dude. Um, what is it? I think, what was it? His, like, fifth, fifth tournament yeah, got on, his the, card, on the tour? Got his card through the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. I think he went through the finals, but I'm not sure. This guy came on my radar a little bit earlier this year. Um I can't remember if he was interviewing with Smiley Kaufman or somebody. And I was like, who's this swaggy dude? And then I was like, oh, he's sponsored by a weed company? That's kind of sick. And then I was like, wait a minute. He fucking hovers around like 188 ball speed. like, And he swings it like a fucking pitching wedge. And he hits it further than Bryson. And Bryson puts every ounce of strength he has into every ball. This guy's insane. Dude, he has a fucking gorgeous swing. Did Beautiful. you get a chance to watch really much of it this weekend? Yeah, no, I, I watched bits and pieces. I was just excited to see him at the top of the leaderboard because I had remembered him from that little interview, and I wanted to keep my eye on him because I just I love that swing. There's another. There's an amateur. Uh, I'm going to task you to look him up. His name is Drew Cooper, very big in the Instagram game and the golf game. He has such a similar swing where it's just like it looks and it's like, okay, he's got a good swing and he's a pro pro, you know, he's a tour player. So maybe he hit it like 300 and then you're like 390. What the fuck? That guy was cruising. I mean, man, I got to tell you what, like I obviously had never heard of him. I hadn't really paid attention to him from the corn fairy. He was a bouncer like two years ago. He's a fucking he's a fucking beast. Yeah. Yeah. I was arguing with my buddy. I was arguing with my buddy. He was like, he's not jacked, bro. I was like, dude, he's in like, he's in like not gym clothes. He's, he's shredded and jacked. I can tell you that right now. Oh, he's a big dude, man. He's a big dude. You can tell, you could just tell by the way he walks and also just the way he swings the golf. I looked him up. He's 5'11", 190. And that frame he's, that's gotta be like, his body fat percentage gotta be pretty low. I I, listen, I don't want to date him. Okay. But he's a cute guy. Sure. He's cute, but I don't know his personality yet. <laughs> well, we're going to probably find out because if he continues to play well on the tour, he's going to be somebody everybody's paying attention to. He's got a girlfriend, to because, too. All right. Well, I'm sorry that you're not going to, you know. It was it was worth a shot. You shouted him out on the pod. Mm-hmm. I shot and, my shot. I'm sure he's going to be flattered. Listen, this didn't work out like <laughs> Maybe he'll come the on the pod. So. Maybe that is all part of the grand plan. Um, I got to tell you what, though, man, like I I know we kind of made fun of it last week when we were making our picks and talking about the field. It's a reminder every single week just how much we're missing so much talent that's Mm -hmm. playing in this bullshit live because you're trying to get excited for certain guys. Okay, well, you know, like at least for me, I'm going to pick out certain players where I'm like, 
all right, I don't really know much about them. I've heard their name. You know, it's the second year that we're doing this this picks game and contest. I'm going to make a little bit more of a concerted effort. And then I'm hearing about John Rahm and the interview he did with Marty Smith. And I'm like, man, fuck this. Like, I just miss <laughs> these guys. They should be playing. And uh, I hate to say this about some of these guys because I know they're doing the best that they can and they're trying to make a name for themselves on the tour. But it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. Nap, I think, is an outlier with his distance and his short game where he could actually win, but you're totally right. This field is full of mules, as the NLU guys like to call them. Um, <laughs> just, you know, PGA lifers that, you know, they're fighting for their card every year. And Well, here's the thing, man, and, and these golfers wanted to play less. Seriously, even if the live golfers come back, get used to this shit every once in a while, dude, because of the elevated tournaments, it's like nobody played in this. No, nobody played in this, and nobody really played in, in the tournament that we're going to preview in, in a couple minutes here, um, which formerly known as the Honda. We got a couple, Goggins though. We got a couple. We we have a couple more because they remember with the new with the new format they some of these guys have to play. Well, that's what that's it's a, let's give a little kudos to the format then. For for sure, because no, I guarantee if that format didn't exist, Rory, Matt Fitzpatrick, a few of these other big dogs would not be in this field. Ricky, Ricky too, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ricky either. Maybe Ricky this either. is one he would have taken, but I don't. I don't know if he actually would have. But let's get let's talk about some of the guys on this leaderboard. Um, Tony Finau, who we both pr- predicted to repeat, did not. He finished T thirteen minus eleven. Um, yeah, he was kind. He never really got control of this tournament, and I think he was just very happy to place where he did. And I'm starting to think that's really how Tony is, which makes me very feared of him possibly going to live at some point, bro. I mean, mm. until we finally have resolution, because. You know, he seems like a guy, I know he wants to win, but I don't think winning is his everything. I think making money, competing in these tournaments, finishing high enough to get a nice payday seems to be comfortable for him. And if, if Liv offers him a good amount, I could see him being somebody to go ditch and do it, especially with his big family. Yeah, that's a hell of an observation. I never really thought about that with him, but maybe you're right. Maybe he just is, he doesn't, he doesn't, not that, he doesn't have that dog in him. He's just a really talented athletic guy and he's good at golf and that's okay. Unfortunately, that's why he found his way out of my foursome and my five o'clock and he's in the five o'clock hitters club. But those are the sacrifices, you know, that you're willing to make for your family. And I, I guess I respect that out of him. Um, but that's, a, that's another good point about live. I mean, I, it's not even worth talking about because I don't even think the tour or anybody knows where it's at. I mean, I gave you your kudos because of this strategic alliance, but then nothing's come of it since. So we'll see. Are we going to make it to Augusta? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I felt really validated with that. And then that no, you like, should what, still, you still should. <laughs> I still put it right next to the Will Smith Duke pick of yesterday. It was a hell of a call still. I appreciate it. Um, a couple other names here. Keith Mitchell finishes T19 minus 10. Mark Hubbard, who I had in my uh, foursome picks for the week, T48 minus Sean, can five. you believe this? I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We yeah. tied on Mitchell. We tied on Mitchell and um, Fino, so they basically cancel each other out. We were both pretty bad this week, but I was uh, particularly bad. I'm going to chalk this up to just not knowing a lot of guys in the tournament, even though we are um, an avid golf watcher. That's how bad to put in perspective the tournament was. You beat me, and outside of those two, your best player finished 48th. Both my guys didn't Isn't make the wild? cut. I know, and the only reason I took Hubbard was I'm like, well, at least this is a familiar name. Yeah, Nikolai you know his Hogarth, name. <laughs> who, right, and Nikolai Hogard, who I actually felt 
pretty decent about. I probably would have picked him to win if I didn't pick Tony. He finishes T fifty two minus four. Not a and good, that looks not good. A good performance by him. Yeah, well, you beat me by fourteen spots for both of my guys. So, no, not a good performance for him. Um, I, I just, I really like this guy Nap, and I think we're gonna have to keep an eye on him. Couple guys from early this year that we're gonna have to keep our eye on who mm-hmm. have had success. Um, and you might hear some of those names in our picks for the Cognizant Classic. As I said, it used to be, um, it used to be the Honda played at the Palm Beaches. Um, Tom, do you want to lead off, or do you want me to take this one? Brother, you got the dubby. All right. So here's my four. I'll go a little slower this week because I know I I really listened to last week. I was like, shit, I really didn't give him a chance to write these down. Um, yeah, dude. Like, I, first of all, I have dysgraphia just to let everybody behind the curtain. If anybody doesn't know what that is, I have a, I had to take OT when I was a child. I have such bad handwriting, and Sean's over here rushing me. I can't even read it. I'm like, what did he? What did I write? <laughs> I'm like trying to guess. I'm like, is that Hogard? If I look at it upside down, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, it's got the umlaut over the O. You know, <laughs> do I have to write that or do I know who it actually is? Um, okay, so for my foursome, the first name I'll give you is Eric Cole. I told you. I, I think I said this before we started the pod. Our list was going to be very similar, which is not. Yeah. It's not good for the contest, but we're on the same page. Okay. Second, a name that kind of was alluding to about a minute ago, Nick Dunlap. Guy hits the ball a country mile. He sure does. Um, Sung J M. I'm going to put Sung J in there. Okay. Can I guess your winner? And then my, and then my, well, I got one more. That was only three. So my yeah, well, last you, one. I, oh, okay. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Sorry, Sean. I just thought, I thought you did winner fourth. I always do winner fourth. I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. Billy Horschel is my fourth this week. Ooh, and okay. the reason being, I listened to the NLU pod with Billy Ho, and I thought it was a good listen. Guy guy is a thought-provoking dude. He he had some good thoughts, and I, I really liked the conversation, and I was interested in him. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him into my foursome the next tournament he plays in. But now you can guess which of those four, since I, I don't do what you do. Well, we both picked Cole this week because he finished second last year, and it's when he came on the scene, and he, and he won Rookie of the Year pretty much catapulted off of this tournament. I'm actually going in a different direction. I'm going Ooh. with Dunlap. Wow. What's your reason? Yeah. You know what, man? He does hit the ball a country mile, and I know Cole got the win here last year. but Cole didn't I get just, the win. Uh, Cole finished second. Kirk got the win, he finished second. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So Dunlap, I don't know, man. I, I, I like the way he hits the ball. I have watched him a couple of the other tournaments when I've been peeking into golf around the college basketball and NBA. Um, just feel good about him. Don't have a great reason, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick him in this tournament. All right. Well, our list wasn't as similar as I thought. We basically only just had Cole, um, Billy Ho, by the way, I I don't really like to pick golfers off of their personality. Usually I like to pick them off of how they play golf, but whatever you want to do, I respect that's fair. That's fair. Uh, first guy I got, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Rory McIlroy. That's like a guaranteed yeah. top 10. I was like, I just want to beat Sean this week. Um, second guy finished off last year really well. I think he made it to the – did he win? Who the fuck won the – who won the FedEx Cup last year? Wasn't it Victor? I think you're right. But I know the Lucas Glover was in the finals, and he had gotten really hot last year with the putter. Yeah, remember he had the swamp ass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good way to remember in him. Memphis. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he doesn't want to be remembered well, that way, well, but it was because I also remember all the old guys still got it tweets, which were really fucking annoying. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Um, so, it, listen, he's made one cut out of four starts this year, but if he can get the putter going, he's he's getting a top ten. Another guy I got is Matt Fitzpatrick. I'm taking that one purely off of pedigree. I don't even know he's playing this year. And then my fourth is Eric Cole. I think he goes out and gets the dub this year. Clearly he – he um, had it this week last year, and I just – I feel it. I mean, it's at a different course, isn't it? I believe that – yeah, that's actually a great question. I don't know if it's different. The The, the name is different. Um, not sure if the course is. Yeah. Well, whatever. Regardless, that's who I'm taking. We're, we're not – I'm going to trust it. I'm not even going to look into that. I'm going to just blindly trust it. Here's the thing, man. You know, last year when I did have my modicum of success – Obviously, I know the big hitters and the main guys, and and unfortunately, with Liv taking and poaching more players, I have to be more well versed on some of the guys coming up on. The By scene. the way, but, this has just been sticking in my craw. I feel like we didn't mention that Terrell Hatton was a major loss for the PGA Tour as well, not just John Rahm. Uh, we did mention it on the pod. Maybe did we, we didn't go as in depth about it, but yeah, oh no, we definitely mentioned it. We definitely mentioned it. Yeah, it's we're in shambles right now. They need to figure it out. It's just such a disappointment. And again, like I, I am somebody who really cares about the quality of competition. If I'm seeing the best of the best, that's why I hate these fucking all-star games. That's why I can't stand these upstart leagues. Like somebody asked me the other day, like, are you going to watch the new like UFL? I was like, I'm not going to watch a second of that shit. I don't care how hard those guys. We cover enough sports as it is. We don't need to watch poop. No. Remember like, last listen, time we has, tried to with the live where I don't care how many guys are on the tour. The product still sucks. The product blows. And there's, and I mean, even when we talk college basketball, it's like, listen, I'm going to pick the games that I'm really paying attention to. I'm not interested in the middle pack of the ACC. Sorry. It's not any good. Like I care about the competition and the competition and the product is diluted on the PGA tour. It just a hundred percent is you've lost personalities. You've lost some generational type levels of play and it's nothing's been resolved yet. And until it is, we're, we're going to really have to cherish the majors because that's the only time we're going to see all these guys playing in the same field. Yeah. I mean, I've said it like 20 million times, but it's like the PGA Tour, exactly what happened, what they didn't want to happen. Now only the majors really matter. So. And they have nobody to blame but themselves. Oh, we've said it a thousand times. I'm honestly at the point now where it just makes me angry when we talk about it, how stupid they were. Yep. No, I, I, it's a, the 30 for 30 on it or the history on it as we get far and f- further and further removed from kind of this watershed two, three years um, situation. Is I wish they would do a doc, but. One of the worst in sports. Well, yeah, I know. too no much in it. We need to have resolution first. Well, yeah, that and I just think the parties involved that I actually would want to hear from would never do it. Like, I don't think Phil would ever be involved in a documentary about the creation of it or any of those other people, so. You know, I would, uh, I'd love to hear what the hell is going on, but it's crickets. It's crickets. Yeah, and, and the worst part is that leaves a lot of room for speculation. And did you happen to catch any of the Rom interview with Marty Smith on ESPN? I did not. I, I, I'll tell you what. I want. I, I'm really leaning because I watched Rom on YouTube a couple of times, and I was like, he's just fucking awesome. I think I'm gonna stick him back in my foursome because I just love him as a person. But when it comes to like him, anybody, not just Rom, I won't single him out. Any person on Live doing formal interviews where it's like they're gonna tell us some the softest of softball questions, like I'm, I'm not here for that. That's a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, and I, I will fully 
disclose that I didn't watch the entire thing. I saw snippets of it. Like, I'm not you know, chastising you for watching it. I just, it's, it's. No, no, no. Whatever he says, I don't believe. A year ago, do you, I'm gonna, we could pull up the clip of him on the podium saying, oh, I compete. I want to play four rounds of golf. I don't like the format, blah, blah, blah. Nothing's changed except the money. So I don't believe anything. So really, that's where I just wanted to actually give some credit. I, I tweeted out a, a retweet of him saying why he why he went to live. And he's like, I get to play less and I make more. So I get more time to do what I want. And I was like, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the gist of it. And again, we said this with um, with the, with DJ too. Like, I just don't want to be spoon fed bullshit and told that, you know, it's caviar. I'm good with the... I'm good with you making that decision. I, I think it sucks. I think there's an integrity aspect of it that I'm going to really, I'm going to look at you a different way. I'm going to judge you a different way. I don't care if you don't care about that, but shit, that's just kind of part of what it is. It's kind of why KD gets a lot of crap because he seems to take the easy way out a lot. And that seems to be the narrative, right? He's a follower, as Charles Barkley says. That doesn't diminish how good of a player he is and how much of a fucking killer he is on the court. But that's going to be his legacy until proven otherwise. And with Rom and all these guys that went over there, I'm going to say I'm going to have to question your competitive appetite. I'm going to have to question your integrity and desire to be the greatest and have your name up there with the Tigers of the world and and the Jacks of the world. So I'm happy that you were honest about it. Thank you. I don't really blame you for setting yourself up that way. You get to play less golf and make more money. Sure. But um it just is what it is. People don't have to like it, but at least he's not lying. Yeah, I mean, it's about time. Uh, although, you know what? Maybe he wasn't lying at the time, and the, and the money changed. So, I just, I'm not yeah, here for the living. Circumstances do change, dude. Of course, of course. I mean, I would take whatever he was making on the PGA Tour, too, though. I would. Yeah, but maybe he just didn't want that schedule. Maybe no, I get it. Listen, like listen. getting hurt and... I'm sure there's a million people in this world that would take my salary, and I'm here asking for more too. So, All relative, right? Absolutely, man. You ready to talk a little NBA? Yeah, a little bit of NBA. So I figure we could just riff on this. Uh, mm-hmm. The second half is only a couple of days long, but your Knicks played a good game against the Celtics. I know they didn't end up winning that game, but it was a pretty competitive game there for a little bit. And you, I, the biggest takeaway for me, man, was you just really need Julius Randle back. Like yeah. I know how Nick fans feel about him, but so when what, I'm watching though? Precious, o, when I'm watching Precious Achua take like big shots, like mid-range shots, I'm like, how are you replacing that 24 and 19? You're just not. <laughs> exactly, Russell said the same thing. It's like, well, what? I, but that I've been saying that for a while now, where I'm like, everybody needs to just accept him for who he is because. Yeah, do we want more out of him for for what we're paying him? Absolutely, but every player in the NBA is overpaid now, and if you like the people that you would replace him with, you're not going to get equal value for him. So just appreciate who he is. That's all. And I think that that's the mentality that Nick fans should have uh, collectively. And I hope that in this absence, because it's really the only extended period of time that guys miss since being a Nick, mm-hmm. they're. He comes back, and the fans do have a greater appreciation for what he brings to the table. I doubt it, but I hope for the same. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think. I mean, honestly, who do you think's absence is more important? OG, given his defensive versatility and ability to shoot threes, or, or Julius? I mean, obviously, both are incredibly important, but I don't know. I'm kind of leaning more towards OG 
But then again, then I don't know. I, I'm, I'm asking you, I guess. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, granted, I don't watch nearly as much Knicks as you do. I would probably say Randall because I generally know what we I'm getting. We don't have getting. an inside if, presence right now, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, and if Brunson, I mean, he just takes so much pressure off of Brunson. Absolutely. The defensive OG is huge, obviously, and, his, and he can drill his corner threes, but he's a menace on defense. Randall isn't, but you you need some extra. I mean, even in that Celtic game, you know. We need the boards Austin and we need was, the points. He was. They were kind of giving the game to you guys, and Jalen was just, he's so fucking good, but he can't do it all by himself every night. Of course not. No, not if. I mean, the Celtics are historically playing some of the best basketball of all time right now. You're not going to beat that team. But you know what? They put up a halfway decent fight. It was a close game. And to be down, I'd say, your second and third best player unequivocally, not even close, and keep it close. And, I mean, Brunson's holding down the fort. The Knicks, we're, they are fine. We're decimated right now. So I'm not, I'm not going to get too crazy about it. We're still the four seed. Yeah, maybe maybe your aspirations of two are are out the window, but I yeah. still think three could be in play. Yeah, I think if we were healthy, I think we, I would still be holding out for the two. Um, but you know, with Randall not being there and OG, and, and I, I got to be honest, it's only been what three games since the break, right? Yeah, I think the Knicks have only played two. Yeah, uh, let me let me refresh Thursday, my Saturday, right. Yeah, let me refresh my memory here. Um. Trying to pull up their schedule. You're playing Detroit tonight. I think that's the third. Of yeah, your... they're in the they're they're smacking Detroit around. Which if they were losing to Detroit, I would be slamming the panic button. But yeah, I just I don't, especially with the absence of the players. I know Tibbs is who he is, but it's like we just traded for Bogdanovich and Burke, and they're playing 19 minutes. It's not like they just had to get themselves in shape. They were playing for another NBA team. Like we brought these guys in. Let's use them as assets here. Yeah, and they had a week off. That was the biggest thing. Um, yeah, you, know, I, you played the first night, but you you won relatively convincingly the first game, and then uh, and then Saturday was the Boston game. So, yeah, like I, I just I feel like we definitely could have used him. And, and games against the Celtics, it's like, why are we playing Brunson thirty eight minutes, Tibbs? Come on, and this is why you this is why Tibbs is who he is. Listen, he's gonna live and die with his best players, and he's never gonna throw it in. Although. Maz, Coach Maz had fucking Porzingis in there when the game was out of. Well, hand. he's an idiot. <laughs> let's just let's just face <laughs> facts. He's just get him out. Yeah, I mean it's tough. To, he's got Simmons said on his pod for the first. What did he say? First certain amount of games or whatever. He's got by far the best record of any head coach of all time. But I mean, clearly the NBA knows, and he's been kind of exposed because he, if if this if he was contributing to this at all, he'd be getting. Flower, he'd be drowning in flowers being thrown at him. Well, it's also why you see, like, no matter how good the Nets were during that little bit of a stretch, everybody knew Steve Nash sucked. That's why uh, Adrian Griffin got got fired by the Bucks. <laughs> there's there's a lot more to it than just the record, um, as we talked about with uh, with Phillips. But Boston does seem committed to the Maz, and and listen, he's going to be judged in the playoffs. That's that's all there is to it. And he's um, a solid head coach. It's just. The Celtics, in my yeah. opinion, are not going to win a title, and he's going to be the reason they're held back because of his mistakes. The better, the better, and better Boston is. Uh, that just the pressure is turned up on Missoula every single win. Absolutely. Um. All right, you want to talk about anybody else on the Eastern Conference? We're only three games in. 
Yeah, I didn't have much else in the East. I mean, what stood out to me most in the West was uh, Denver's continued dominance over Golden State. They've now won eight consecutive matchups against the Warriors. And the Warriors have been playing really well. It was a bad Steph game. Uh, He was one of ten from three. The game was still kind of up for grabs. But, you know, Jokic did about three things in the final ten minutes that is again why I believe he should win MVP again this year. We don't seem to have as much of a debate because who, there's no way. Yeah, who else would win? But it's got to be. I think there's still some. I think there's some SGA buzz because of how good. I love him, but I mean, that. come on. I love SGA. He should be first team All NBA, all that good stuff. But come on. Do you think Tatum should get more no. discussion than he gets? No. It'll be what? it'll be SGA. It'll be or excuse me. It'll be Jokic one, SGA two, and Tatum three. Tatum's got so much talent around him, and there's still things he leaves still leaves things to be desired. Jokic, I've never seen him make a bad decision on a basketball court. Tatum makes like five or six bad decisions a game. Tatum is actually starting to be a little more physical instead of just taking all those pull up threes. Oh, he's but... he's incredible. Don't get me wrong, but he ain't Jokic. That's it. Nobody is. And, and listen, I'm not disagreeing with you that Jokic is head and shoulders above to win, and, and probably SGA is at two right now. But mm-hmm. Tatum just never gets talked about, and I know he has a lot of talent around him, but he's averaging 27 points per game on by far the best team in the league. Like, it's not even close. Yeah, no, no doubt about win it. it. It's just I, nobody even mentions him, and I feel like when somebody does mention him, people, like, want to jump at their necks. Yeah, no, I... I... I agree with you. I think he should get a little more love. It's just Jokic is so freaking good that I feel like to put anybody in the same breath as him right now, it's disrespectful. Yeah. Um, Denver, listen, the Jamal Murray thing, I mean, he's dealing with, I think, basically shin splints right now, and they need him healthy come playoff time because he really is the Robin. Denver, if they wanted to, could they could be you know up probably they could have forty seven wins if they wanted to right now and easily be the one seed. But they've already been there and done that, and they're focused on the playoffs. I think what you need to know the most about Denver is their defense is not nearly as good as it was last year, and it's still one of the best in the league. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I think Gordon's gotten even better in his role, um, and they still have really long perimeter defenders that like you said and was mentioned on a bunch of other pods like Steph shot one for 10 and that wasn't like that wasn't a mistake there was a reason why he did he's had more games like that this year um than he's had in the past but yeah a lot of that I chalk up to the Draymond suspension just because it's a totally different game um but then you are seeing some of these where I mean that Nuggets game I think he gets really frustrated by the Nuggets but you're right. There has been a, a couple more clunkers this year, but I'm still I'm still not ready to relinquish Steph as being one of the greatest players in the league. Um, I just think that Draymond is is the linchpin, and that's why he's not going anywhere. No, he's not, and I agree with you. I mean, what would the Warriors be right now if Steph Curry wasn't on that team? Exactly, they'd be a lottery. So. The fact that Denver's beaten them eight consecutive games that was swept another season series from them is, is pretty nuts, and that could be a it could be a playoff series if, if Golden State sneaks into the eight or seven seed, maybe wins the play-in if they're in the play-in um, and ends up matching up with Denver. That could be a very interesting uh, first-round series. Um, as far as the NBA goes, man, that's kind of it. We've only had a couple games, as you said, to, to talk about. Um, 
but the the matchups are starting to get more and more interesting and the and the margin for error particularly at the in the west with the phoenixes and the lakers and the warriors i mean every game of that has more and more import now uh with about 30 games remaining yeah no no doubt about it um one question i have is do you see any teams bottoming out just completely falling out of the race on purpose or no 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 just, just like I mean, at this point, I don't think any team that's trying to make the playoffs would do it on purpose because the deadline's over and you guys have already made your commitments for the second half of the year. So now I'm asking you, like, is there any team that's going to go on a slide where we just shake our heads at? Well, shake your heads at, maybe not. I mean, the Nets continue to suck. Yeah, Um, I was talking more like any of these top ten. Atlanta. Or top 10, well, Atlanta is a, right now holds, I believe, the final spot in the East play, and I think they're at 10 right now, maybe at 9. Um, they just got dealt some really rough news with Trey Young tearing a ligament in his finger, and he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. He's, he's not out year. four weeks. He's reevaluated. He's done for the year. And that's going to really put them on a slide, although this is going to be a phenomenal experiment. I wonder if you think the same. Remember, they were basically holding an auction for DeJounte Murray for two months, and they never ended up trading him. And a decently team-friendly deal, based off of a lot of the other contracts in the NBA, kicks in this summer for him. Um, Blessing in disguise. Yeah. They're going to be able to trade him for a boatload this summer if he balls out. Okay. But is it Murray, if they end up playing pretty well down the stretch here, and hold on to a play-in spot or somehow get the eight seed. Do they do they hitch their wagon to Murray and look to trade Trey in the summer? Nah, I doubt it. I don't know why. I just I, I still think that the the Hawks are trying to build around Trey. That's why I think this is such an interesting experiment because he's never missed a lot of time where mm-hmm. you've had to see how the team plays otherwise. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, either way, I think Murray's Trade stock is going to be boosted just naturally with him having the ball more in his hands. His numbers are going to go up. Um, And then he's on that team-friendly deal. So do you think you could get more for Murray? It depends. Does a team think that Murray's better than Trey Young? And Mm -hmm. I don't think any. I think think the teams that want a ball-dominant guard are going to want Trey Young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you're right. Lakers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are they giving up? Their 2055 first rounder? <laughs> you know, Russell and some and some exp- and uh some picks and expirings cuz they're going to have more they're going to have more picks to to trade uh once after this draft. Um <laughs> when the new league year starts, I think they're going to have a 23rd a, a 2030 and a 2031 they can move. I don't know if LeBron's still in control of this team like then they're drunk. And also, I don't know. I mean, like does Trey Young really fit with LeBron? I don't know, but the Lakers have done some wild shit, and mm-hmm. if LeBron does say I'm staying, is that a name to look for? That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not predicting it will happen. I'm not even predicting that the Hawks are going to play great with, with DeJounte Murray. But if they do, uh, I'm interested to see how the Hawks evaluate the totality of the situation heading into the offseason. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. That is exciting stuff. Unfortunate for Trey Young, obviously. For sure. Uh, that does feel like his franchise and his city, and they feel even more indebted to him because of the fact that they traded uh, they traded Luca for him. So, 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, anything else on the NBA? I had really got nothing else on the NBA to point to right now. Is there any other situations you want to talk about throughout the league? Not yet. Only three games in. Not really. Um, we got to do some catching up on Curb, so we'll be talking about that later in the week. Yeah, we will. Episode four came out last night, and because we have lives, as we like to remind everybody on the pod, we were not able to get around to watching that. But one piece of uh, news, because last Thursday we talked about the MLB free agents and the Boris four. Well, one of them is off the board. It's now the Boris three. Cody Bellinger re-signed with the Cubs for three years, $80 million. There's an opt-out after each year. And, man, if I'm Bellinger, I'm fucking livid at Boris because he did everything he was told he was had to do to get a monster payday. And like we talked about the other night, man, I mean, Boris has just completely botched this market. I'm sure Bellinger's just fucking pissed. I think he was thinking he was going to have something in the 150s, 160s. And to settle for $80 million, I mean, settle. But still, that's that's not what he thought he was getting on the open market this year. Yeah, I know. And then Boris comes back to him and says, well, I got your three opt-outs. So if you ball out again, like he, the, the league is passing by. It's time to retire and sell your sell your practice like a doctor would. <laughs> Yeah, um, it sounds like, you know, Jack Curry reported on the Yankees' first spring training game yesterday that Snell or Montgomery are both highly unlikely and that the Yankees would rather trade for a pitcher like Cease and are waiting for the um, waiting for the price tag to come down because they're not going to trade Spencer Jones, nor should they, um, for Dylan Cease, who's a very nice pitcher, but again, you're not getting fucking Tom Seaver in his prime. So. No, and Jones is pretty, looks pretty studly. Oh, he's got everything. He's got everything. I mean, there's comps to him being a lefty Aaron Judge, and I like to hold back on those kind of comps, but he's a huge guy with a great – he has a lot of average in his bat, which I love in addition to the pop and plays. I would love a 280-30 home run guy. Ooh. Oh, and play. he could probably play some first base too when, when Rizzo's done. Um, he's an exciting prospect, man. He might even you know come up this year at some point. Of course, you got Dominguez too. But you know what, man? I've been thinking more about it. I know from a f- splashy name, you know, I think the Yankees fans really, really want Snell. But I- I'm the more I think about Snell as a pitcher, I think he's basically Rodon, but without, you know, like there no injuries Rodon or less, less injuries, less injuries. But I still have the question marks. He's coming off the Cy Young, but again, if I mostly a five inning pitcher. It would a six-year deal because I you know the Yankees are going to give out a lower lower AAV. They don't want to be giving that guy like thirty-eight million a year. So it, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think Snell is the answer, and I think the Yankees are being pretty smart in not caving into what Boris wants. Of course, uh, the the more you break it down and think about it, I mean, it would be a bad deal, and this is one of those deals that I'm okay with the Yankees not making. Um, I mean, if Montgomery wants to stay in Texas and the Yankees are going to have to overpay for him, then, again, I'm, I'm not into that either. Sees, I mean, I have to know the deal. He doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, that's another guy where I, I just think he's a very up-and-down pitcher. I don't really consider him an ace. But, you know, if the price is right, I'd like him as like a 3-4 starter, maybe even a, a 2 if he gets hot. Yeah, he has the stuff to be a two. I don't think oh, yeah. he has the stuff to be an ace, but on the White Sox, he is. But, you know, the White Sox hold a guy that has a lot of value across the market because, again, a, a lot of teams don't want to be giving out the massive money to a Montgomery or a Snell. So 
if if Cease is available, they have the right to ask for whatever the fuck they want. But then eventually it's going to come down to the point of do you want to trade him now or do you want to trade him in July? Because you're not a good team. You're not going to compete for shit. And he's just going to have more of an injury risk if you wait till July to trade him. And to ask for Spencer Jones is fine, but you're not going to get him. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about it. You think this? You think something might happen before the end of spring training? The Yankees really seem like they want another arm, um, which is why I think the the rumors of Snell and and Cease are still out there and Burns before that. Um, I would not predict it, but I would definitely say that they they're they're going to try to probably try as hard as they can for a guy like Cease through the end of spring training. Uh, what do you think? I I don't think they'll get it done. They, I feel like spring training deals are just so rare. For sure. The desperation of the White Sox is the biggest question I have. And and they're, you know, they're not a very well-run organization. They've yeah. made a lot of mistakes and holding on to him now and and God forbid if he gets hurt at some point in the season is only going to do them real harm because that's a damaged asset at that point. It is, but like you said, they're pretty stupid, so I don't see it happening until, if anything, July, maybe not even then. I think Cashman will continue to try for him. Uh, oh, for sure. His name has been linked to the Yankees way too long this offseason for us to know that they're not going to try to do it. But, you know, Cashman, he is very he is not going to trade more than what he thinks a guy is worth, and sometimes that's really hurt him. But this rotation has a chance to take shape. I mean, Cortez is throwing 94 today. That's the most, that's the hardest he's thrown in over a year. Um, Rodon looked good in his first spring game yesterday. And those two guys are going to be pivotal. Even if you bring in somebody like cease, the rotation and the success of this team really hinge on guys like Rodon particularly and Cortez as well. If Rodon pitches like he did in 21, 22, he's a co-ace with, with Cole. And if Cortez pitches like the all-star he was in 2022, your rotation is deep and it's really, really strong at the top three. You kind of know what Stroman's going to give you, and then it's just a matter of is Schmidt going to just continue to pick up where he picked up in the second half last year, which was a pretty good league average pitcher. But if Rodon's bad and Cortez is hurt, the level of desperation is going to be turned up because I will tell you this, the Yankees are not going to sit back this year with so many players on one-year deals or expiring deals. Um, And obviously Soto, you have one chance to make a first impression for him. The Yankees are going to stop at nothing to make sure that they have a chance to be in that uh, in October and win. Absolutely, rumors I'm hearing. Do you think the Yankees are going to re-sign Soto? It feels like yeah, yeah. I think that they're planning on on giving him the bag. I just he, can't imagine that they traded so many fucking pitchers yep. that they love for one year. And they, and Cashman's saying all the right things because he knows that Boris is not going to do an extension with him. But, yeah, I think so. It's the Yankees. When they identify a player, say what you want, they they want him, they usually get him. Yep. And, again, like you said, You think he's, the same way, right? Of course, yeah. And and he's also one of those guys where it's like he's a blue-chip guy. If, they, if, they, if you told me that he signed, I don't know, what is he, 25? I think he's 24. Yeah, if you told me he signed like a 10-year deal, I would be okay with it. He's going to get like 12 years, 13 years at like 7. I think he can ask for 700 million and be just as justified to get it as Otani is. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh not just yeah. as. I I don't know. I'm a, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, I, uh, 
He doesn't pitch <laughs> to a so Cy Young level. <laughs> he's one. He's one of the best position players in the sport. Oh, he is. And he's and he and because of where when he's becoming a free agent too. If he was becoming a free agent at twenty nine thirty, he'd still get paid like crazy. But because of how old he is, and there's only going to be a few teams. You know, the Mets, the Yankees. Um, you know, the Dodgers won't be in it. So it's it might yeah, come down to that. New York New York battle. Yep, let's just hope that uh, the pedigree and, um, you know, Cashman can beat out the Queens, the poopy Queens over there. Here's what I'll say is we're going to do our preview here in about three weeks. Yankee fans, calm down. Enjoy the fact that you have this guy. I totally understand wanting to lock him up long term, but you can't right now. He's not going to do it. it. He's just not going to do it. So enjoy him because he's going to have a monster year and hopefully be in the middle of a team that does some special things. Just enjoy fucking watching them and hope for the best at this time or, you know, before this time next year. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Anything else you got? No, nah, man. I'm uh, I'm going to go watch some Curb. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think I'm going to be right there with you. All right, everybody. Enjoy. I hope you guys enjoyed the pod. I can barely speak at this point. <laughs> um, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. I don't know when, but some point this week. You can 100% bet on that, and we got some stuff cooking up. So take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.